It's been a bit windy today. Is that putting it mildly? I don't know. It's been a bit windy. It's been windy such that um, there was a plane early this morning uh, which set a new record for crossing the Atlantic because it had a tailwind. You know, obviously, a new record, uh, not counting Concorde. You know, a subsonic record, but it, it was a new record. But those winds had other issues uh, with planes. I saw a tweet where a plane had had four attempts to touch down at Gatwick before it was actually on the ground. And you sort of think of how were the passengers feeling by that point and how much sweat were the pilot and co-pilot losing. And uh, another report, uh, the, the aviation journalist Simon Calder uh, commented that a British Airways flight from Geneva to Gatwick gave up trying to land and diverted elsewhere. It went to Lyon in the south of France, where the winds were not so extreme, but it was only about 60 miles from where they'd set off. So, you know, you sort of think, ooh, how happy were those customers? The circumstances of the world are such that things don't always turn out the way we plan. We can set out with good intentions, but sometimes the world is just against us. Sometimes it's nature. Sometimes it's other people. Sometimes it's our own stupidity. But sometimes things just don't work out. We might expect success every time we do something. We might rehearse and practice, but it might still fail. Sometimes no one is to blame. Other times we might be the one at fault. Sometimes it is another party. We have to take stock and then move forward. The culture and teaching of forgiveness in the first century was that three times was a reasonable number of times to forgive somebody. Yeah, one, two, three, you're out. That's it. Blah, not doing it again. And so Peter's suggestion, and you do wonder what's going on that Peter suddenly comes out with this. Oh, should I forgive my brother seven times? You know, is there something going on in the family? Is he actually thinking about something that his brother said to him or done to him? We don't actually have those instances. Is he thinking of himself and perhaps he's a bit worried about something? Is there actually something coming here that that's that three times and you're out? Actually, him thinking, ooh, I might get things wrong 
I might make the same mistake a number of times, because let's face it, Peter is a bit of an impetuous fellow. Isn't he? We don't know why he comes out. But he comes out with a, a, what he probably thinks is quite generous. There's a generosity in that seven. That is more than double what a priest would tell him to do. It more than double what the teaching was. One for every day of the week. How kind I am. How loving I am that I might forgive seven times. But Jesus isn't having it, is he? This is not his teaching. Make it bigger. Make it much bigger. Bigger than you would imagine. The accounts of what number he comes out with are 77, or in little footnotes, 70 times 7, which is 490. Bigger still. But those are not to be taken as an actual value, but to give you the idea that you keep doing it again and again, day after day, week after week. We are to forgive. And so Jesus wants to get his message across and he does that in his usual way. Let's tell a parable. One wonders with this parable how on earth a servant ran up the debt of 10,000 bags of gold. You know, that, that's pretty good going. That is, you know, a fair amount. And how he thought he was going to repay it is another thing, isn't it? You know. Don't slam me in the jail. I'll repay it. I'll, I'll work. I'll pay it back to you. The estimates of true value vary dramatically. But a lifetime's earnings might be somewhere close. And this is not meant as a real amount. Just as in the same way as 77 wasn't intended to imply an actual number of times of forgiveness. 10,000 was simply the biggest number of the culture. Now, of course, you could theoretically say, well, if 10,000 is the biggest number, you could have 10,000 on my left and 10,000 on my right. You know, you've got 20,000. They didn't have a number for 20,000. But you could say that. You could just keep saying, and there's 10,000 over there and 10,000 over there. The, the idea is that it's a big amount. A huge amount. It's a amount almost as big 
today as we might think of as infinity. Now, obviously, it's not 10,000 nowhere near infinity. No, because infinity is on and on and on and on. But the thinking was the same. To Peter and to his friends hearing this message from Jesus, 10,000 is just too big to think of. Too big for a first century fisherman, for a Pharisee, for a tax collector to imagine. They have no need of such a number. And so it, it kind of reinforces that 77 or that 70 times 7, whatever it happens to be. It, it's just a huge amount in the story that is beyond what can be thought. And the servant pleads for mercy. I'll repay my debt. I'll repay the completely unmanageable debt that is possibly more money than I will actually earn in my lifetime. It doesn't work, does it? You know, he can't even pay it off piecemeal. He can't say, I'll repay you 10% each year. He can't repay maybe 1% each year. It's just far too much. The Marshall Plan money that America loaned the UK after the Second World War took 61 years to repay. 61 years. This debt in this parable is effectively even greater uh, owed not by a nation, but by one man. The debt we owe God is likewise unpayable by us. Who, O oh Lord, could save themselves? It's just unpayable. No amount of money, no amount of time, no amount of effort matches up to that debt. Nothing can come close. In the Old Testament, uh, pigeons or doves, sheep or goats, lambs, maybe a bullock here and there, were offered to God as sacrifice. But these were one-off installments for an account that would always be in debt. Nothing is comparable. But in the parable, the king hears the servant's pleadings. The king hears the man saying, I'll pay it off. I'll pay it off. I'll pay it off. 
And the king would know that's unrealistic. The king would know that's never going to happen. But instead of saying, okay, pay what you can, he wipes the slate clean. That's the end. He cancels the debt. Not a penny will need to be returned. No contract is signed. No deal is done. There is no quid pro quo. The servant offers to repay, but the king is even more generous. The king doesn't state any specific conditions. But it's clear from what happens later on that he does expect a lesson to have been learned. He does expect that the servant will somehow learn to pass it on. To take this random act of kindness, this generosity, this love, and show that love to somebody else. A parable is an illustration. It's not intended to be the whole picture, nor could it ever be one. But this gives us an understanding that God's forgiveness is not limited at all. Our debt of sin is huge, but it can be cancelled no longer counted against us. But it's got that second part to the message too, hasn't it? Peter had asked, how many times do we forgive? How many times do we forgive our brother? Is it seven times? But he didn't think about the ongoing consequences, the ongoing relationships, the ongoing issues that might be present. This parable has a second part. We receive God's love. But we must endeavour to become changed people, people reflecting the king. We have to be people of the kingdom, people of the kingdom of God as revealed in Jesus the Christ. That means no matter the pain and depth of sin against us, we must seek to forgive I guess we won't know what that is like, whether we are able to do that unless we actually end up in that situation. And we don't ever really want to be in that worst case situation where we feel the issue is unforgivable. I caught a documentary uh, on iPlayer the other week. it was apparently an old thing that was made about three years ago, but I just saw it for the first time, such as the way I live. Um, and it was about the Crown Prosecution Service. 
And it covered a court case where there was a, a Porsche driver who had hit a car that a mother was using to take her son to school. The boy, a similar age uh, to mine, Noah, died as a result of the injuries received in the accident. There was no fault with the Porsche. It was in perfect maintenance condition. The driver was not on drink or drugs. He had not been using his phone. There was no evidence he had exceeded the speed limit. It had been raining, but it wasn't like today. It was just simply a wet day. It was just a typical morning. But the driver crossed from one side of the road to the other, hitting the Ford Focus that was coming the opposite direction. And the boy was killed. The case goes to court and he is found guilty of causing death by careless driving. The, no idea how the actual accident happened. He's fined. He loses his license. He has 150 hours of community service given to him, but no prison. How does the mum feel? How does the mum feel? After sentencing, she went privately, not on camera, and spoke with the man. And then at home afterwards, said to the camera, being for someone's blood doesn't solve anything. He's a good man who made a mistake. The consequences have been devastating to him as well as my family. Flynn's presence in the world should not ruin anybody's life. There was nothing said about whether she was of faith or not. But within her, there was this sense that that driver should not be punished beyond the legal sentence. She was forgiving him. Would I do the same in those circumstances? I don't know. I hope that I could. But unless we're there, we don't know. We, as Christians, are called, whatever the depth of sin against us, to seek to forgive. In the parable, the second servant pleads in much the same way as the first.
LVP. There is a sense there within them that they have transgressed. It's a negligible amount compared to the burden removed from the first one. We have had a great amount forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we forgive the sins of those that we encounter in our daily life? Our forgiveness must not have a limit. We must live in a loving way, a way that reveals the outstretched arms that are open to embrace each one of us. We must forgive in a way that recognises that Christ for our forgiveness had his body broken and his blood shed. We must forgive and rejoice in the forgiveness we have received. Amen. So as we come reflecting on what Keith has brought to us and preparing ourselves for communion, we come acknowledging that we are forgiven so that we can forgive. But also humble before God's majesty and covered by the blood that he so freely shed for us. It's a song that maybe newer to some so you might find it a song that you want to sit and reflect as we sing it as we sing here i am humbled by your majesty <laughs> 